I'm Kira Brukurek. I'm Nicole Breeden. And you're listening to ProPrac, a podcast where we explore the professional practice of artists and hear their stories. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us here today. We are happy to have in the studio with us today Stephen Payton. Stephen Payton is a Melbourne-based artist, a member of the Gunai and Monero Nations. He grew up in rural Victoria. His work explores colonialism, traditions, concepts of race and conflict. Influenced by his home country, Gippsland, and his experiences, Peyton uses painting, sculpture, installation, and video to articulate his worldview. His work has been exhibited in major Australian art institutions, including the Australian Centre for Contemporary Art, the Art Gallery of New South Wales, and the National Gallery of Victoria. Peyton is an alumnus of Primavera at the Museum of Contemporary Art, the Next Wave Festival, and has received a City of Melbourne Laneway Commission in 2011. Peyton was also an artist for the Forever Now project, which projected works via signals into deep space through Cape Canaveral in Florida in the US. Peyton's work is represented in the collection at the National Gallery of Australia, as well as the National Gallery of Victoria, Museum Victoria, City of Durban, Yarra City Council, Wellington Shire Council and the Brooklyn Library in New York. Peyton's work is also held in private collections in both Australia and internationally. He's currently a studio resident at Gertrude Contemporary. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So Stephen, um, as always, we start off our first question um, quite broadly, uh, which is how did you start off making art? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I guess, um, it's one of those questions, what is the point that you become an artist or decided that you are an artist? I think it's very hard to, to pinpoint that, that point in time. But, um, I think, I guess, uh, you know, I've always been making things and always, um, had that influence from my family so I come from a very strong cultural family um, and we've been uh, practicing our Aboriginal culture for forever um, and I guess that that takes a different form in in um, operating in in terms of like living in a, in a town or in this in the city um, as opposed to I guess um, people's maybe their preconceived ideas about what Aboriginal art is or Aboriginal culture. Um, so I guess for me, I always go back to um, cutting out boomerangs for my pop, so making boomerangs um, for him. He would get us to help him with his um, in his workshop or in his, in his shed, but also going out um, on country and, you know, gathering the materials and all of that sort of stuff is all part of it. So it's sort of, you know, I'm, I've grown into it, I suppose. Yeah. Mm, a constant making. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess the the thing when you become that um, sort of, I don't know, when it becomes like a, a job or something or it's like a career-based sort of thing as opposed to just a practice, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that, that practice art and, and cultural activities, um, being an Aboriginal person. But, um, when you, you step into 
being an artist and, and having that title and being able to call yourself an artist, I think is very difficult for the artist, you know, the person mm-hmm. who's sort of this this brooding, um, maybe, you know, wanting to make something or wanting to do something with themselves in terms of making objects and making things. That point of calling yourself an artist is is really difficult um, when when you're young, I guess, mm-hmm. because... I guess it's also like quite an external label that people put upon artists as well. Like you'll be making and you know that you 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 make things, but then it becomes someone goes, "Oh, you make work," or you're and you're an artist, and yep. you, it's something that you have to either a um, contemporary artist too. You know that label, so like yeah, some kind of um, finality or something about it. Or yeah, yeah. Was there a point for you in which you felt that there was that crossover between sort of just making or practising and then sort of a more f- kind of formalising of that sort of like process? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, so one of the things I really remember was um, my sister used to work at the Curry Heritage Trust when it was in um, Flinders Lane um, and our family's... Um, got a lot of artists in our family um and so we've been sort of exhibiting as a family for for a while um and um I, yeah I was part of the family exhibition that we had at the Koori Heritage Trust which then sort of you know you've got an exhibition then so you can say I've exhibited exhibited mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so like that's I guess that's the point where mm-hmm. um you know, because pe- everyone always asks. They, you say you're an artist, and people go, "Well, where do you exhibit, or what do you, what do you do, or what do you make?" And mm-hmm. if you're a young person, you kind of don't, you don't. I've, I haven't exhibited, so am I an artist or not? Mm-hmm. And I think um, also having access to um, the city and being able to, you know, go into the Curry Heritage Trust and have that um, sort of a safe, welcoming space mm-hmm. that is around the arts mm-hmm. um, is really important because it can be really intimidating for Aboriginal people to come in to the institutions of, you know, Australia mm-hmm. um, and these other cultural places that are that are sort of, you know, in the past been pretty intimidating places. Mm. Um, purely because there's there's minimal or even no Aboriginal presence or art or mm-hmm. yeah, um, support. Exclusionary in, or conditional in terms of what they decide to show or support. Yeah. Mm. Um, but that that has all changed. Um, you know, a lot of people have worked very hard um, all over the country to um, make these changes, and um, everyone's still working hard at it to make all these make further changes and keep keep working at these things um and it is slowly changing so it's it is getting better for some people but um yeah i think that having that that opportunity to go into the Koori heritage trust and um just be able to hang out in there and talk to people and um have those connections and one of the things I was able to do as a young person was, um, I think I was 15 or 16, 
just go over to the Nicholas building and mm. go and have a look around in mm -hmm. people's studios. And um, my sister um, invited me to come and meet some artists. I can't remember who it was, some guy who had a studio in there. And, um, yeah, I went over and had a look. And um, you can kind of see sort of what you're wanting to aim for or something. So you can... Mm. You can understand maybe where you might head um mm -hmm. you know you need to have an exhibition and you need to have a studio that's the two things that you need mm -hmm. to just get started um in terms of being professional about it or having a, a, a professional practice um and then there's yeah there's different things once once you start um you've got to work at it but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah, I think that that was the point for me that um, really I, I remember um, mm. and that really sort of resonated with um, m my um, sense of where I wanted to head mm -hmm. um, with my art practice. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. So like quite young as a teenager yeah. having that, yeah. Yeah, um, well, that's the other thing, like coming from the country, so I'm from Gippsland um, and specifically like Latrobe Valley is very industry kind of mm. focused and so like the kind of jobs that most people have there are around that industry or um you know nursing or teaching or something like something that's kind of useful for the community mm. or seen as useful mm. you know so you kind of get almost railroaded or pushed into these things um that are just a job or just a thing that you you do mm -hmm. mm. um and for me like being a young person coming to the city you can see that there's actually more out there in the world and mm. different mm -hmm. jobs and mm -hmm. you can really you can do whatever you want mm. um if you yeah set your mind to it you know it sounds mm. like <laughs> it sounds it's like age-old advice <laughs> yeah but um it, it is true if you, you just got to work at it and um mm -hmm. it's you do have to have that kind of spark though that initial thing where you can have someone else kind of saying this is a thing and this is a thing and you don't yeah. have to you don't have mm. to be um a park ranger or you yeah. don't have to be um you know a, a nurse or or a um, teacher or something like yeah. something that's kind mm -hmm. of this practical, useful yeah. thing for the community. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You can do other things that you know. It's uh, sometimes people see it as selfish, but mm -hmm. I don't. I don't think it's selfish um, to do something that you're happy with. Like not at all. I think that's a mm -hmm. massive misconception. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like yeah. I think that um, people should be doing exactly what they think is is what they should be doing and making them happy and and it all serves a purpose. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, it's important as well. Yeah. And, and this is the other thing that, like, you know, I think when everyone is doing those other things is sometimes these things can, can drop off and fall off and they are really important. Like culture is really, really, really important. Absolutely. Um, and all the different parts of that um, need to be held up by everyone. Mm. Um Mm. And, yeah, I guess, you know, um, 
Australia's sort of previously been very um, homogenous um, <laughs> in terms of like the cultural landscape, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's really has changed in the last ten years or, mm-hmm. or more mm-hmm. um, in terms of what people are doing, and I think um, yeah, it's 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 good to get out of your um, bubble or get out of where you are to go traveling and go and see other things and experience the world and experience outside of your little community to to see what other people are doing and then maybe bring that back and bring some of those um, ideas of how they're you know doing certain things um, cultural things or other things bring that back and Mm. um you know, uh, I don't know, like processes or programs or the way yeah. that mm-hmm. they do things mm-hmm. or other things. Mm-hmm. It's an important job that I think is also not not being taken up and it, uh, it's not understood well mm. by... It's not um, been given enough value. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, like university, I went to university in um, at Deakin and I had this idea that I wanted to do environmental science and environmental management because that's what I'm in, I'm interested in that but I sort of wanted to work in that area um, but it's, it wasn't like my true like passion I guess mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I get more out of making things with my hands and mm-hmm. and um, having that connection like that cultural connection um, I get more out of that than a, you know a job for me yeah and so does the community I'm sure when you were studying were you also exhibiting at the same time um no so I I was um I sort of just painting in my bedroom Mm -hmm. um yeah just doing something you know I sort of wasn't thinking of art as a um as a career or as a um you know I sort of like I said before I was I was um I had that, there was that little spark and that thing of um, maybe I could do this and maybe I could be that thing that I want to be and, and work in the area that I want to work in but also have, um, I don't know, for me doing something that's that's meaningful and worthwhile. So you did go on to study um, environmental science? Yep. Yep. So and after, uh, did you complete that course? Yeah, so I I did complete the course and um, ended up getting a job in that um, area and working in that area and um, I'd sort of worked in it before so um, kind of working uh, on the side of sort of construction and and around that industry stuff Um, but working more in like a cultural archaeological Mm -hmm. um, sense Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess... Um, seeing a lot of like destruction of cultural um, sites and our sites and objects and things like that it's sort of um, that <clears throat> really had an impact on me as well um, in terms of loss of culture um, and and a loss of cultural practice and mm-hmm. so that that's that was a huge driver as well mm-hmm. for me mm. pushing me in in that direction but I still maintained this idea that um, I guess y- you needed to have a job um, because 
you got to kind of be realistic about it. You can't mm-hmm. um, realistically sit in your bedroom painting for the rest of your life. Um, you know, it, it'd yeah, it'd be great. Like, yeah, <laughs> it'd be a great life, but you would be starving, and you, know, you mm-hmm. might you, not have a bedroom. Yeah, you, yeah, you need to pay for it somehow. Like, yeah. unfortunately, everyone uses money now, and you know that's that's how it is. It's not. We can't change this system, um, and that that's you just have to kind of fit in a little bit with that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. and um, and be practical about it, but. You know, you can still sort of believe in something else, but mm-hmm. be practical mm-hmm. about what you're um, doing and make sure you're eating. And yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting the places we find ourselves to keep ourselves going as artists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, your work obviously um, informed a lot of your practice going forward. When was it when you started kind of actually sort of really pursuing that um, professionally and, like, kind of really developing that aspect of your practice and exhibiting and... Um, yeah, I guess that... So that whole exhibiting and, um, I guess, having a career thing, um, I, I was exhibiting first, so it was kind of mm. a, this thing of I was an artist first um, without the career or the money mm. or the other things and... Um, you know, I was happy with that. Um, and, um, so I think, you know, you're kind of, um, having, having a point where, where it switches. I think the point is actually where you become an artist and where, when you can tell people that you are a professional artist and then, um, as everyone would know, as an artist, you know, you're kind of, you generally you're not paid very well um it's there's um peaks and troughs you 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 know feast or famine everyone mm-hmm. knows this um it's kind of the way that it works and you you sort of in a way you fit in with that as well um so you, you kind of just go with however that works mm-hmm. and, but then you can still maintain your um your you know um I don't know, artistic brain or your creative brain mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of keep that separate and safe from mm-hmm. the money side mm-hmm. of things and not mm. get too tied up in this equals this because mm-hmm. a lot of the time it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that the, you know, the I guess in so many other industries as well, the, um, you know, time, your, you know, time working in that industry or your experience is then reflected in your paycheck that you take home each week, whereas in the arts it's so different. Mm. And yep. to kind of keep your practice um, safe by not allowing the what is coming in financially to make you feel like more or less valued by the community mm. or, yep. that surrounds yourself. you and yourself. Yeah. And that's, yeah, it's a really tricky thing that I think a lot of people really struggle with, Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. early on in their career about how to, um, yeah, not let the what is coming in financially to dictate um, the validation or the importance of their practice. Mm. You can like, you know, you can be at the most successful part of your career, but like totally rock bottom financially. So there is this, there is, yeah, instead of being this kind of, linear or exponential kind of growth of your kind of career and income they're often like you know um 
not in synchronicity. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that that sort of thing, I guess, like is very difficult for a lot of people as well because sometimes you do have to put on this this facade of everything's okay mm-hmm. and I, I'm doing well and mm-hmm. it's fine. And, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of hard when you, you know, you're like, oh, it's all, everything's great. And then you look at your bank account and there's $2 in there. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, how am I going to live off $2 for three weeks or whatever? Yeah. Or, <laughs> and sometimes also there's the expectations within kind of certain communities of the art world to kind of um, be present at different kind of events and functions and then pre- while you're there present in certain ways in terms of what you're dressing like, if yep. you're drinking, if you're not drinking, if you can like buy rounds of drinks for people and that's another pressure that is kind of put upon you to have to um, not only be continuing your practice and try to keep that alive while also like housing yourself and clothing yourself but then also to have a public presence as well within the community to be able to be like show up for things and that can be another strain that is um, I think sometimes overlooked at that like yeah that's not always an easy thing to be doing. Um, as well as then, like, standing around chatting to people at openings. Yeah. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. um, you're currently at Gertrude Contemporary um, in their new location, which has been there for, like, a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, did you move in just as they had moved spaces or...? Um, I think so, maybe six months after they had all set up and yeah. everything. Um, yeah, I moved in early last year. Mm-hmm. Um, about this time last year. So I've been there a year now and sort of um, set up and, yeah, trying to uh, work um, on on projects and upcoming exhibitions. Mm. Has that um, been a change in the kind of studio structure from where you were beforehand? Were you in a um, like a studio complex before that or...? Were you working from home, or what was your kind of arrangement? For um, yeah, so work? I've I've sort of worked in different spaces and different yeah. areas, and um, I guess uh, yeah, the you know when you're starting out, you're always working um, either in if you've got a back shed, if you're lucky enough to have a back shed, you can work in there, but generally it's not really very good to work in. Um, or in your bedroom or in your spare room if you're lucky enough to have a spare room. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, generally, um, yeah, I've sort of worked in various various spaces. It's kind of always feels like it's on the side um, because of that thing of what I was saying before about that, I guess, the, the money thing is, is always something that's hanging over you and to to um to have uh, a separate space that is that you're paying for and which yeah I've, mm. I've sort of worked up to that point it's very difficult to maintain that mm-hmm. um, it's a huge overhead yeah 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 um so has um have you found that it's worked better for you to have your studio kind of connected to where you're living or kind of having it separate um uh, yeah, I've done both. I think um, it sort of just depends on your circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was saying before, you you know the the peaks and the troughs, and um, sometimes you might find yourself 
having to work in your bedroom and Mm -hmm. um, purely because of your financial situation. Mm -hmm. And that's that's fine. You accept that and Mm -hmm. you commandeer your bedroom and Mm -hmm. that's (laughs) that's now your studio. Mm -hmm. Um, You you have to do that sort of stuff and um, work with what you've got. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. I find like some people have answered that they um they actually prefer that kind of setup where they're just like literally in their art just all the time. Yeah. And others find it kind of, you know, really challenging to switch off and some don't want to switch off. So, you know, it's yeah. like a really interesting kind of um factor co- to consider when people are talking about like how they make art and how they think about how they make and whether it's a kind of ongoing yeah. kind of process. Mm. Um Maybe following on from that, um, what's a, what is a typical kind of day in the life of Stephen or a week <laughs> in the life of Stephen look like? Is it, you know, give us a run through of what you, you're kind of... Um, so I guess lately um, having a separate studio, um, it's very different. You work in a very different way to if you've got it in your um, house or your bedroom or your back shed. Um you can't just sort of roll out and go, oh, there's a thing that um, I was working on. Uh, maybe I'll work on that today. Or um, it's sort of, You sort of have to have a, a routine but not be so strict about it that you um, miss out on other things, um, especially when opportunities come up um, because they can be all over the place. You sort of have to be available but not available mm-hmm. um it's very mm-hmm. it's very hard balance um so yeah i guess i like to work in intensive blocks um that's that's my way of doing things um so i prefer to start something and sort of um work on it and finish it um but yeah I've, recently i haven't been able to do that mm-hmm. um and I'm finding it a little bit frustrating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is, is that like a sort of days, weeks, hours kind of, what's the time frame for that kind uh, of? Weeks. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So I might so just... work um, three, four weeks solid, um, even up to six weeks solid on, to, on one yeah. thing or on a project, mm-hmm. upcoming mm-hmm. exhibition. Mm-hmm. And, um, I find working that way you're, you're more um, focused on what it is that you're actually doing mm. um, and you're able to give more attention to the different parts and the different nuanced areas that you're trying to work in and um, and those, I don't know, those expressions of what you're actually doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think people just think that artists just sit around pushing paint around and, you know, like stuffing around all day and having yeah. coffees and you know just hanging out with rich people or something i don't i don't know what people think <laughs> i think <laughs> but definitely some people think that uh, some people do do that yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's uh, yeah they maybe they do i don't know <laughs> but I, i'm not you know not really into that whole Mm-hmm. lifestyle thing of mm-hmm. like sitting around and drinking champagne like that's it's nice occasionally but um yeah you like you can't practically do that mm-hmm. yeah you got work to th- do yeah exactly <laughs> you're working all the time um i sort of have let go of 
the days as well. So um, the days don't really mean much um, to me in in my practice. Um, I think some people like to think about, you know, oh, maybe I'm going to work on the weekend or mm-hmm. do this or that. And um, I do try to kind of treat it like a nine to five in terms of um, going in almost every day and trying mm-hmm. to work that way. But, um, yeah, I don't – I'm not, you know, squeamish about going in on a Sunday or mm-hmm. or a Saturday yeah. or mm-hmm. a Monday night at – you know, eleven thirty, or yeah. wh- whenever you have to go in there, you just go and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's no rules about mm-hmm. you know. I don't work on the weekend, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think sometimes people get that kind of thinking stuck mm-hmm. in their mm-hmm. their head, and it's um, it's yeah, it's it's one of those things you you know. It depends how you think about what you're doing as an yeah. artist. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think if you yeah, if you're um if you're kind of not working to a project and rather just kind of going in and experimenting or maybe just um, have a different kind of process that maybe the day off, like scheduling a day off is necessary to like make a stop to be able to kind of start something else if you are kind of like um, have a different kind of setup and not project-based. But, yeah. Do you find that after you've completed a project that you need some downtime or some processing time um, to kind of go, like, kind of de-steam or, like, yeah. de-reset reset mm. after. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you do have to take those opportunities and those breaks when you can. Um, mm. So you kind of can't plan them. Um, it's sort of just a, a feeling of there's nothing happening at mm. the moment mm. and... Um, you might take a day or two and go, I'm just going to do nothing today because um, mm-hmm. this is my day off or mm-hmm. this is my weekend. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. In inverted commas. Yeah, and you've got to anyway. really grab it, defend <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. But you still you still always go back to art, you know. It's like yeah. even when you're at on the weekend or whatever, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, maybe I'll just go down to the NGV or yeah (laughs) well it's also your process of looking and understanding the world as well is through a lens that you have you know built up and created and it's it's kind of impossible to turn off because you're always viewing something and you are always analyzing and um there is we're surrounded in a visual and audio world and everything's tactile that we are constantly processing what's around us and um I think it's once you have become an artist I don't think you ever really stop because you're always constantly thinking and processing yep. using that part of your brain um so that might lead in nicely into what have been some of your biggest challenges that you've had to kind of overcome to continue your practice has there been anything significant or even small but ongoing yeah mm. yeah um I think one of the hardest things is sort of figuring out where you fit in a way because there are, uh, I guess the art world does um, like to categorise things and put people into boxes and, you know, you're this kind of artist or you're that kind of artist. And, yeah, I think trying not to get caught up in some of that um, fluff is mm-hmm. is a bit, is, is very difficult Um you know, like, 
don't know. It's a, when it, when I see things like someone is a, um, they start making stuff out of cardboard, and then all of a sudden I'm a cardboard artist. Mm. Like, don't do that. Don't <laughs> don't, don't don't go down yourself. that path. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, don't let anyone do it to you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Because it's yeah. I mean, you you have to kind of understand what art is and do do all the reading and and be interested in the history and what is art history and what is world history and what is um what is you know your if you're from a different cultural background what is that history and how does that maybe play into what you're doing right now tradition in art is very strong and you should be aware of that mm-hmm. um you know, you, you kind of need to follow some of those traditions and and be part of that culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's hard for people to kind of get their head around what culture is and what art is. And um, I think sometimes people just want to want the lifestyle or they want the thing or they want to be this or that and Mm -hmm. it's kind of you can do that you can do that if you want um and you can go down that path and and be that but it's sort of a i don't know i see it as like a like what you said before once you're an artist you're always an artist you kind Mm. of you're not um you don't switch off from Mm. that and you're always thinking about things you're kind of drawing inspiration from everywhere um and anywhere and it could, you know, it could happen at any point as well. So mm. there's no, you can't really plan it. You can't sort of say this is how you create an environment to create creativity or something, which is what all the um, arts workers and arts people are mm-hmm. sort of yeah. trying to do. Um, but kind of goes back to what you are saying before about the flexibility. Like you need to be open enough to you know, be able to continue with something but also be aware that things could just happen at any time and that you need to be flexible within your practice and your day yep. to allow for that to happen. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that sounds kind of a bit cliche as well, like be, just be flexible, mm-hmm. you know, like it's... <laughs> but we also don't really live in a world that is very flexible. No. Like we've got times day like you know we're always told where to be at a certain time and things close and you know you have to kind of somewhat subscribe to what everyone else is doing even though you might need to go get some casting material at like 11 o'clock at night Bunnings isn't 24 hours (laughs) yet (laughs) it will be eventually (laughs) hopefully depending on which way you think about that is a good thing or a bad thing but uh yeah, you do. I mean, it, and it's yeah, it does it does subscribe a lot to society's values as well about, you know, when when we should be allowed to do things and when it's a, an appropriate time to do this or that or whatever and, you know, like we still I observe all of these religious holidays yeah. that you know, it's like so irrelevant to so many people in Australia, but it's still like don't try and do anything on Good Friday ever. Mm. And even socially when you're amongst a group of people or um Often I find this if you're hanging out with people who maybe might not all be artists, but um, 
when you are feeling like you need to go do something or there's an urgency that you feel but you're still required to be sitting at that dinner table or carrying out that conversation and you're like I really just want to go over and like think about that or like go and go for a walk outside because I need some space to kind of process what's happening yeah but you're still meant to be you know functioning within this like mm. you know mm. setup that we're all meant to kind of like go about you know social situations or whatever mm. um, and weekends you know? yeah having people available on weekends to spend yeah. time socially that's just like totally abstract so what does it being a practicing artist mean to you and has that shifted over time or has it been something that you've always identified with or um yeah does it change day to day um yeah I guess it's also one of those things um that sometimes like getting back to what you were saying before it's kind of um in certain contexts um you know maybe you know, like a, a barbecue or something, you go to someone's barbecue or, you know, dinner or whatever and there's sort of always this conversation about what do you do? What do you do? Like it's probably the most annoying question I've ever had in my life because, you know, it, not people don't do one thing mm. and I think everyone's sort of got multiple things that they do and so it's kind of a stupid question and you, you really what they're asking you is what job do you do and how much money do you earn and am I better than you or whatever you know like that's that's what they're trying to ask you and it's I, I don't know I'm being very honest there with um mm. the way that some people think about that question mm. um but you know I think people feel like maybe they have to ask that question as well mm. to to um validate the other person and, and make them feel welcome mm -hmm. um, or, or whatever. So there is, I don't know, it's it's just a very annoying question for an mm -hmm. artist because everyone's interested in it and so it's kind of, it goes down this path of, oh, and what kinds of things do you make and, you know, how do you make them? And then, and then the ultimate question of, Oh, how much money do you make or how much is it worth or how mm -hmm. much do you spend on this? Mm -hmm. And it's it's kind of these really prying questions that mm -hmm. you don't want to talk about so you just tell people that you work for yourself or, mm -hmm. um, you know, I just do random jobs or leave me alone. Some pigs and troughs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, I guess, and again, you have that, in certain situations but then when you're in other situations in the art world you have to then present yourself again differently in terms of presenting your practice and you're expected I think um well here in Melbourne I I from my experiences there is a certain way that you need to present yourself and your practice um for it to be heard about basically or seen um so, yeah, it is, that again, that thing of, like, in certain circles you present yourself one way and say one thing and then yep. in another way you have to kind of, like, mm -hmm. pitch yourself or, like, yeah, show up. and Like, yeah, um, for me personally it's, like, at um, Christmas, like, my family are not artistic. I do not have an artistic sort of family. Yep. So pre presenting that sort of story and hearing yourself actually present that story is always quite interesting because it's, like, 
for me, it's always quantified by just heaps of activity. It's just like I'm doing this, 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 this. And they're just mm. like, oh, gosh, you're very busy. It's like, yeah. yes, I'm still yeah, broke though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's like, uh, yeah, an interesting kind of, yeah, when it the, – the ways that you kind of quantify what, what it is that you do and to different kind of people and different groups and like your elevator pitch depending on who you're pitching it to, you yep. know. Mm. I mean, it's much the same in the art community, really. Like people, you know, what what have you got coming up is another big one that artists use to sort of speak to each other about what they're doing. And yep. that can be, I mean, that can be like just like a devastating question if you've just finished something and you don't have something just like lined up straight away next. Yeah. And you just, you're like, oh, what do I have coming <laughs> up next? And then you're like, uh, stalling, stalling, <laughs> you know. Um, and then they're just like looking at you like, oh, my gosh, like just like fallen into a hole of irrelevance now yeah 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 who are you yeah what are you even doing here yeah are you a fraud you're a fraud aren't you i feel like we should have called this um podcast like you are not a fraud like it's just everyone being like what oh we're all frauds (laughs) so another question we find quite interesting is um what has been one of the biggest resources that has assisted your practice like people family friends internet, organisations, you know, whatever it is that have kind of pushed you along your way or kind of given you kind of an ongoing sort of source of inspirational life or, you know, help? Yeah, um, I don't know. I guess um, for me maybe like not thinking about things as a resource, maybe like um, thinking of... um, thinking of how you interact with certain circles or the world and and um you how you move and how you are and your being in the world that that all comes from my aboriginal background and being an aboriginal person operating sort of under australia and within australia that's been a a huge driving kind of force Mm -hmm. i think in terms of having something bigger than yourself um that you're part of and yeah you know talking about our issues and and having that um sort of long-standing practice and tradition of um cultural practice um and and continuing that and being able to continue that now in this time is it's sort of like an important thing for me to do for myself, but also for the wider community as well. Absolutely. Um, like in terms of what we were talking about before, having someone, seeing someone that can do it, um, mm-hmm. seeing someone that is in that position mm-hmm. um, or doing a thing, um, whatever it is, you know, expanding people's perception. And, you know, if you inspire one person or two, you know a handful of people to um, to break out of this idea of I can only be one thing or I can only do what everyone else tells me to do um, and sort of you know inspire people to break out of that and look into themselves and know what they want to do mm-hmm. and and know how they can help as well so mm-hmm. for um, you know, Aboriginal people 
being able to contribute to the community is um, something that's really important for almost everyone, um, which is sort of different from, you know, the other people, which mm-hmm. is very individualistic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's getting back to that conversation before about, you know, that that barbecue conversation, the, co- the sort of micro competition of mm. like, um, you know, what do you do and... You know, essentially they're trying to ask you how much money do you earn mm. um, and where do I sit kind of mm-hmm. in relation to the other person. Um, but for me I sort of don't really think like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that is always hanging because you, you've always got it there but at the end of the day like you, you, you're you here and you, you've got two hands and two feet like you know, you can do stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever, whatever it is, you can, whatever happens to you, you can kind of keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think um, having having someone doing it and having someone up there and having people as um, this thing that that young people can see um, mm-hmm. is really, really, really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. Like. I don't know, I saw um, someone um, saying some quote, I don't, I've totally forgotten where it came from, but sort of be that person that you wanted to, to see when you were younger mm-hmm. or be mm-hmm. be the change or be that mm-hmm. thing. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's important. Yeah. It's really important yeah. to, um, for, for people to have, the option and and to be able to see that that it's mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, do you have any advice that you would like to give anyone, or if you could go back to your um, younger self and give yourself any advice um, about becoming a practicing artist? Is there any advice that you would give? Yeah. Be be resourceful. You know, I think um, people need to. Um, kind of be resourceful in in it in their given situation. So, whatever is thrown at you, you kind of deal with that, um, and use what you can, make the most of what you've got. And like I said, you've you know you've got two hands and two feet and a brain, like use them. You know, don't <laughs> don't sit there kind of you know wallowing in, in oh I can't do anything and yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, do you have anything uh, coming up that you would like our listeners to know about that they should um, go and check out? <laughs> yeah, I've got a show with the Gertrude Glasshouse. Sorry. Um, oh, great. That will be good. Fantastic. Um, and yeah, I've got some other shows coming up over the year. So cool. Um, but that that's the first one. Yeah. Up and I've sort of. And um, can people find you? Do you have an Instagram or Facebook? I have. Um, I'm. I'm trying not to actually. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather not. But, yeah. Um, you kind of have to. Um, but I do have a website, so mm-hmm. it's um yeah just www.stephenpayton.com. Great. We'll have um, that link below as well. Yep. For people to click on. And that is really just for um, people that are wanting to look at my art practice and 
what I've done or what I'm maybe potentially doing. But uh, yeah. like, I don't really like putting my artwork out there and on those platforms and um, you know this kind of digital thing that's happening mm-hmm. or that has happened um, mm-hmm. is I think it's affecting a lot of things in mm-hmm. terms of like what people see and how mm-hmm. they how they interact with art and, and then what is the value and the mm-hmm. meaning of it mm-hmm. if they just like flick through all mm-hmm. these things mm-hmm. um, do people even need to go to your exhibition anymore they just look at the images and mm-hmm. yeah. say that they've seen it or we should I just Photoshop it. them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a lot cheaper. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I do have a website but there's no images of, like there's one image of my work yeah. in there. So, um, yeah, it's not like a catalogue or anything. Yeah. yeah. The <laughs> comprehensive bio and CV on there. Great. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you can see one of Stephen Peyton's work on his website. <laughs> <laughs> it's at www.stephenpeyton.com. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And get along to Gertrude Glass House and check out the show. Yeah. We'll be excited to see Come experience the show. Fantastic. (laughs) Thank you so much for today. Thanks. Your time and being so generous. Thank you. Thank you. This episode is recorded on the sovereign land of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people, and pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. Thanks for listening to ProPrac. You can listen to other episodes and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can stay up to date with what we're up to on Instagram at ProPracPodcast or send us an email at ProPracPod at gmail.com.